I'm glad you are able to make the time to join us at this hour. We study the Word of God to enrich us, to inform us, to encourage us, to share with others, and to bring others into the kingdom of God. We're going through the book of Joshua. Today we'll be looking at chapter 3. So, take a pen, take a notebook or pencil, call a friend, take your pad out, and let us pray. Our gracious God and Master, we thank you that you can lead us and guide us in all things. Your word comes to us powerfully to direct and encourage us. Help us to understand and apply your word. Challenge us, encourage us, rebuke us, and cause us to be obedient servants as you intend us to be, and courageous servants as you have made us to be, following your commandment and orders for our lives. We pray this in Jesus, our Lord and Savior's name. Amen. In our last study, we saw that Joshua has sent the spies into the land of Jericho to go and see what type of enemies were there, how the city was fortified, and what the, the mood of the city was, and whether they can actually conquer it. Yes, 40 years earlier they had tried and failed, but this time Joshua himself called two people and sent them directly and asked them to go and go and come and report back to Joshua. And we saw how they entered the city, how the Lord led them to a prostitute, not for prostitution, but because it was a place where people can go in and come out. They were there. They gathered information. And the woman told them the whole city is terrorized because of them. They are all fearful. They've all heard the testimony of how God had destroyed other nations ahead of them. And therefore, they know they are dead meat in the hand of the Israelites. This should cause a lot of excitement for these spies to go and report to Joshua. Well, the woman hid them when her own people came looking for them, that I don't know where they are. And let me repeat it. It is not her hiding that caused them to be safe. No, God has ways of delivering his people through fire, through snow, through storm. And the lie was not necessary. But she was not a believer. And she found a very practical way of doing that. And she's not commended because of her lies but commended because of her faith. Because see here, the woman who had been labeled as a prostitute, when it came to that point, that these spies are from those who are coming to destroy them, she said, no, when you come, will you save me? Will I be safe? Not only me, my father, my mother, my sisters, my brothers, and everybody in my household. And she made them swear that they'll keep this promise to her. We see a star character here. We see somebody who, in the midst of her immorality, in the midst of a city that is fearful, is looking for a way of salvation. And I commend her to you, that no matter what the culture around you is, no matter how rotten your world is, no matter how discouraging it is, no matter what is said about the things around you, do not lose faith in God and point people to Christ. And this woman did. Well, her townspeople came, the soldiers came, they didn't find you spies. She let them down and they hid in the rocks. Finally, they appeared and went to Joshua. And when they got to Joshua, wow, what a story they had to tell Joshua. They told them, look, everybody is afraid of us. They told Joshua, Joshua chapter 1 verse 24, the Lord has handed over the entire land to us. Everyone who lives in the land is also panicking because of us. Hallelujah. We have said over and over again that the entry into the promised land is similar in what God expects our attitude to be 
as he has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light and we make our way to heaven. That everyone, the powers of darkness are afraid of us. The powers of hell are afraid of us because God is with us. Emmanuel is with us. And therefore we must be brave, strong and courageous. Now, when Joshua heard this, he was a man of action. He now decides this is the time when the people must cross the Jordan. If it were you and I, having waited for 40 years, what are we going to do in the next day when we hear that we are ready to go to the land? He said, no, wait, now we're going to experience something. We're going to experience more preparation. So we come to Joshua chapter 3, read verses 1 to 4. He said, Joshua started early the next morning and left the Acacia Grove with all the Israelites. And they went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priest, you must break camp and follow it. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourselves and the ark. Don't go near it so that you can see the way you go, for you haven't traveled this way before. Yes, this is Joshua. We are now ready to go. But you see, now wait three days. Everybody settle down. Make your preparation. Pack everything, your tent, your canopies, your food stuff, your children, your wife, your animals. Everybody get ready. Get ready. Consecrate yourselves. Get ready. Make a preparation. Joshua was a man who knew how to get things done. These people were now going to cross. They were now seven miles from Jericho, and they were now going to cross. They had three days. They needed time to organize the logistics and everything. The delay gave everybody an opportunity, probably to get near the river and see what was waiting for them, and to see how full the river was. But they were waiting to see the instruction that God was going to give them. At the end of the third day of waiting, the people were giving instructions. The pillar of cloud had been leading them thus far. When the pillar moves, they move. When it stops, it stops. It has stopped here, and therefore they stopped. And now Joshua is telling them, look, there is something else you ought to wait for. This time it's not the pillar of cloud. This time it is the Ark of the Covenant itself. The Levitical priests are to carry it. You'll be seeing an Ark. So you must keep a distance of about 1,000 yards, 3,000 feet from you and the Ark, which means the Ark must go far. And you form a long straight line. You can see. You see, it was easy for them to follow the cloud. I mean, that was in the sky. They could see it. But now, you are not following a pillar of cloud. You are following an ark and priest. God has a way of changing his tactics. A way of changing our instructions. Sometimes we think that one size fits all. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what he taught you yesterday may be what he's teaching you today. Yes, he can do the same thing over and over and over again. And that's how come sometimes we miss the mark. But God is saying, look, people, this is a different instruction. You have not gone this way before. Don't go near it so that you would see clearly where the ark is leading. And you will follow it. And there has to be an order that we follow. With the ark going ahead of the people, you fall behind to remind them that this time, it is no longer a cloud that is going before them. The ark represented God himself. It represented the holiness of God. It was being carried by the priests 
who had consecrated themselves according to Levitical order, how they had to carry it. They were to have no casual or careless intimacy with God, but a profound respect and reverence. The sovereign God himself was leading them. And with that distance, it was possible for them to see that God was there, God's ark in the front of them. This new territory was a place they would see the hills and the valleys as they entered that land. They were not to take anything for granted. It was to be a solemn march, a confident march, and a march according to instruction. That's what God had told them. So the people were to make preparations. Do you make preparations for the things that you do? Or you just get up? What preparations are you making for your life? Yeah, you were born, somebody prepared for you. But are you making preparations for your own job, for your own retirement, for your children, for your life? God wants to lead you. God wants to direct you. God wants to guide you. God wants you to live purposefully. God wants his direction to guide you. This day and age, we are not led by the ark of the covenant. We are not led by even the cloud. We are led by the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit expects you to read the word, to pray, to be sanctified, and hear the voice of God because you have not gone this way before. Even as you enter tomorrow, you have not entered into tomorrow before. As you enter into next week, you have not traveled that way before. Every day is a new day. It's a new opportunity. Are you trusting God to lead you and guide you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake? That is what Joshua had to impress upon these people. and say, get ready. Get ready. Don't move without preparing. But from verses 3 to 13, the people are now to consecrate themselves. They are to get ready. Shun everything. All as part of the preparation before they move. It says, consecrate yourselves. Because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. He said, when the priests take the Ark of the Covenant and go ahead of you, you will follow them. But look, other interesting things are going to follow. The day of crossing, the people are to consecrate themselves and be holy to hear from God. Isn't that amazing? Here you are going to face your enemies. Wouldn't he have been more commonsensical for him to see sharpen your bows or your arrows or whatever they use in fighting in those days. No. But here he's telling them. Even though you are going to that land. It is not going to be a military battle. It is going to be a spiritual battle. So you need spiritual preparation. You need God to be on your side. Joshua had seen it. He remembered the time we were fighting with the Amalekites. Yes. Moses was at the top. And his hand was being held up. And as long as Moses was up at the top praying. His hand was held up and Joshua was in the valley. They were winning the war. They were winning and winning. When Moses' hand was down, they were being defeated. So they realized there's a connection between being alive to God, God being on your side and winning the battles of this world. Even though you may call them physical, God is interested in everything you do. So these people are to consecrate themselves. They are to prepare their minds. They are to prepare their hearts. They are to prepare their clothing. They are to prepare their sacrifices. And they should do everything that God wanted them to do. And then they were also to get ready. Because God was going to surprise them. God was going to shock them. God was going to reward them for their obedience. The Lord told Joshua that when they cross, a miracle will happen. And God will exalt himself. Look at what the Lord said from verses 6 to 8. Then the Lord said to the priest, Take the Ark of the Covenant and go on ahead of the people. 
So they carried the ark of the covenant and went ahead of them. The Lord spoke to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they would know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Command the priest carrying the ark of the covenant, when you reach the edge of the waters, stand in the Jordan. Hallelujah. Specific instructions, what God wanted to happen, had never happened. It had never happened this way. Yes, it had happened under Moses when they crossed the Red Sea. But now it's going to happen under Joshua as well. Say, you go, keep marching, keep marching, keep marching. And when he gets there, you will see what happens to you. He said, when you get there, you will see. Wow, what is it going to be like? People may have been wondering. Well, what better way for the Lord to show that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one leading them. Is God going to allow his ark of the covenant to be destroyed? No. Is it going to be flooded? No. He is not. But they should wait and see with a spirit of expectancy. Friends, I can tell you this, that people get a lot more from the Lord, from any service, from any interaction, when they have a spirit of expectancy. God can touch you. God can heal you, even as you listen to his word now. By faith, you say, I receive your word. Lord, I believe it, that you will touch me. Like the woman who said, if I touch the helm of his garment, people were there touching and pushing because they were looking for something. And she said, I don't even deserve to go near. God rewards faith. God honors faith. And faith honors God. And the people were to go and follow their leaders and step and see whatever is going to happen. What better way to accomplish this for Joshua to direct them to the river and then see the river parting. After all, God was their leader and this is what God wanted them to do and they were ready to do it. You see, follow their leader. It always reminds me when I read this passage about how we are given a test when we are wolf cubs going to go into boy scouts and a cub follows the leader. We have a wolf cub, then you go to boy scouts. And this leader who was leading us, uh, he said he was going to march, and when he's marching, you should follow him. Well, we're following him, young people, and he was leading left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. We got to a certain point, and there was a dwarf fence wall. I remember the park very well. Fence wall. And he jumped the fence. And when he jumped the fence, then he was crossing the street where cars could pass. There was no car passing anyway. When he jumped, then we, the Boy Scouts, the first group stopped. We all stopped and started laughing. When he crossed over, he turned around and there was nobody there. So why are you not coming? We just started giggling, giggling. He turned around and said, you have all failed. You have all failed. He said, why? It was part of the test. Everything had been arranged. How he would jump that wall that any of us could have jumped to see whether we are able to obey others. And then cross the street. They had arranged that no car would pass there. It was later on that we learned all of these things. Friends, there are some of us who want to ask the questions and have the answers right before we take a step of faith. It doesn't work that way. God is saying the priests will carry the ark. And when they are carrying the ark, you follow them. Priest, when you get to the river, you may be afraid. But I'm telling you this. Put your feet in the water. When you put your feet in the water, you will see what will happen. Sometimes we do not see the hand of God. 
because we are not for, we are not willing to follow the instructions of God. We want to play safe, so you play safe. We walk by sight and not by faith. See, the just shall live by faith. So may God help us today to see that how the people of old won the battles was not necessarily always by sight, but by sight, by faith, by instruction, and by obedience. As I'm speaking to you now, God may be telling you to do something, to pray for something, to pray for someone, to witness to somebody, to give to help somebody, to go on a missionary trip, to do a certain thing for him. You see, and you're here arguing, why this, why that, why this, why that? Yes, it doesn't make sense to you. It may be like me, the wolf cap, who was refusing to follow my leader. And what was the consequence? We failed that exam. God's school sometimes is like that. Until you learn to obey, until you learn to, inst- to take instruction, you go on and on and on and on and on. These people had paid for it 40 years of disobeying God. And now they had the chance one more time. Are they going to be able to say, no, this river is overflowing. This river will kill us. We will be drowned. Yes, because we all know what rivers can do when they are overflowing their banks. They knew it. They know it. And they can see it. Excuse me to say they are not stupid. Their eyes are open. And now the whole army, some estimate about 2 million people, are being led by these two old men, Joshua and Caleb, and telling them, look, follow me, follow me, follow me. Fortunately for them, the priests the priest were supposed to take the lead. There's leadership in whatever we do. And those leaders were supposed to give a good example of love of God, of service, of being prepared to die, of laying down their lives for the ship. Joshua was testing the priests to see whether they are willing to say we've given our all to God. He has called us. He has chosen us. We will obey him. We will live. Paul said to the disciples, follow me as I follow Christ. And that was what was happening that day. God had already told them, I will be with you. And I will assist you. I will help you. Joshua, I will honor you. Their disciple follow your example. So, apart from the preparation, there was to be the consecration. Consecration to see what the Lord would do. Then, the end of the story, of course, when you have had the preparation, when you have and prepared, when you are supposed to consecrate yourself, you consecrate yourself. And when you are following God, what do you see? We see God honoring your obedience. Joshua chapter 3 from verse 14 to 17. Read a fascinating account of what happened. Incredible. When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the priests carrying the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge, and the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zarethan. The water overflowing downstream into the Sea of Araba, as the Dead Sea was completely cut off, and the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed the dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Hallelujah. Well, God had given, they had done enough preparation, and now the action. On the day of the crossing, the Jordan, 
the day Israel was to enter Canaan had finally arrived. The people folded their tents and followed the priests who were bearing the ark to the brink of the Jordan. It was about the harvest time. It was a time when the water flats its bank. They would have hesitated in fear, but God had given them three days and warned them. God had already trained them 40 days and they knew 40 years and they knew the story. Dramatic things happened the moment the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant stepped into the muddy waters. The water stopped flowing and it piled up and up. So the people crossed over and nobody, nobody was drowned in that river. Hallelujah. How could this sensational event occur? It occurred because God, who made everything, asked that it happens. God commanded it to happen. People have doubted it, but I will not waste my time on people who doubt things. Because they have their own doubts. We can get intellectual and get into arguments. But there are so many miracles in this world that you and I do not understand. How people come to places. And some of these tales of crossing rivers, mighty rivers and oceans to go to places are in our own cultures and traditions. How the people move from place to place, from east to west, from one continent to the other. Maybe they use boats. Some can tell you stories about how they were led through rivers, people swimming, and all kinds of tales. But here he's saying it is God who brought them out. Considering all the things that happened, it was only God who could have done this. Many supernatural events were brought together. One, the event happened the way it was predicted. Two, the timing was exact. He said in verse 15, As soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as Jordan and their feet touched the brink of the water, it took part. And that's exactly what we are told happened. Three, the event took place when the river was at flood stage, flooding, swimming to terrify you. And number four, the wall was held in place. The wall of water was held in place for several hours until they all crossed. Number five, the soft, wet bottom became dry so that they could walk on it. There was no mud for them to sink or quicksand for them to get in. No. Number six, and as soon as the people returned, I mean, crossed over, the water returned. Hallelujah. What a wonderful God. By this great miracle, the crossing of the River Jordan during the flooding stage made it possible for over or about 2 million people to cross into their promised land. God was glorified. Joshua was exalted. Israel was encouraged. And the Canaanites were terrorized. Friends, that's what happens when God glorifies himself through our obedience, through leadership, through united faith. For Israel, the crossing of the Jordan meant that they were now irrevocably committed to a struggle against their enemies, against their chariots, and against their fortified cities. They were also committed to walk by faith and trust in the living God. They cannot go back to Egypt. They cannot go back into the, the wilderness. No, no, no. Now they have crossed over. They have crossed over. And like you and I who are believers, this has deep lessons for us. For believers today, the crossing from the Jordan represents passing from one level of Christian life to another. It is not a picture of you dying and going to heaven yet. No, 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 we are not talking about heaven. We are talking about how to live victoriously here. 
It is now that the fight has started. How to engage the enemy. How to engage in warfare. How to engage and be salt and light in this world. This is what it should mean here. How to witness and bring others to know the Lord. How to know that there are barriers to be overcome. And that victory is what we keep moving on from victory to victory. Following the act of the presence of God. Reading the word. Following the instructions as Joshua was led. And then we can defeat all our enemies one by one and win the victory. And then God is giving the glory. Just like it happened, it happened when they crossed the Jordan. You see, this is the realization that Martin Luther came to. That there's a war, but we are also called to win the war. So when he wrote that hymn, a mighty fortress is our God. Verse 3, he said this. And though this world is filled with devils, even though they threaten to undo us, we will not fear because God has willed it. His truth will triumph through us. The prince of darkness grims. He laughs. We tremble not for him. We don't tremble because of him. His rage we can endure. For lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. Hallelujah. One little word shall fail him. He will be destroyed. Have you put your faith and trust in this God? If so, continue to love him and serve him and live boldly for him, following his instructions on a day-to-day basis, asking his spirit to fill you and giving to his word, giving to his work and living a life of holiness and bring others to know him. If you do not know him as your Lord and Savior, say, Lord, I've heard today that, look, it takes obedience to follow you. It takes faith to follow you. I've been afraid of ways of following you, but today I give my life to you, knowing that you are with me, you will lead me, you will guide me, that I will not be afraid of the shadows or the terrors by night because you are with me always, I tell you. And then you'll be crossing. It will mean an irrevocable commitment to fight and allow the Lord to fight through you and to win the victories for you and let you know we're a child of the living God. Friends, what an exciting time to be alive and to know that you are part of God's army and you are part of a victorious army. You are blessed and highly favored, but stay close to your Lord and be ready that wherever he sends and leads you, you will be there because he can never fail you. To him alone be praise and glory and honor in his house. And if you don't belong to a church, I commend Calvary Baptist Church and his daughter churches, churches of the Ghana Baptist Convention to you. Or if you fail any of those ones, any Bible-believing church where you study the word and grow in the word and walk in the word with my commendation to you. You are blessed. Have a great week and stay close to your word. Until next week, this is Pastor Fred Digby saying, God bless you. And press on to victory. Amen. Mm-hmm.